I'm going to pray just that the Lord would open up our hearts to the word this morning, that um, he would allow me to be faithful to deliver what he's placed on my heart. And so let's, let's do it. Heavenly Father, Daddy God, <laughs> you know my heart, Lord. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that this congregation, this blessed family, would hear your word the way you would intend for them to hear it, God. That you would stir up the soil of our hearts to receive the word, God. And I just declare over all of us, including myself, that we are good soil. And that the word of God would be planted in good soil this morning, God. Father, that you are a faithful God. You are a God who redeems the time. You are a God who redeems our situations. And you are a God who lovingly pursues our hearts. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I have the joy and the privilege to bring a message this morning that the Lord has placed upon my heart from the book of Ruth. And Ruth is this tiny little book, it's probably like four pages long, <laughs> in many of our, you know, old school, like the, you know, the big Bibles, um, maybe a couple of swipes with your, your <laughs> devices, but it's only four chapters long, but there, it is chock, packed full of amazing truth and amazing encouragement. And so we're just going to go right into it. Our History Maker series, um, Ruth is the next one in line, and I have kind of taken two specific themes that the Lord's put on my heart, and those themes are redemption and faithfulness. Everybody say redemption. Redemption. Everybody say faithfulness. Faithfulness. Amen. Okay, so our first slide. Uh, Maybe our second slide? We're going? Oh, okay. (laughs) Ruth was a woman who knew sorrow. She married into a foreign family. Her husband passed away, and her mother-in-law tried to get rid of her. (laughs) Then a little later, she's reduced to just picking up after the harvest. So just to survive in a land that she, she is not aware, she's not familiar with. But God had better plans. Everybody say better plans. Better plans. In all of this, Ruth continues to faithfully make decisions, doing what's right, instead of what's easy or even makes sense at times. Ruth stays true to what's right, and God redeems her ashes, redeems those broken pieces, those broken places, for his great beauty and promise. Amen? All right, let's go to the word. So I've taken these little pieces. The word says in Ruth 1 that in Bethlehem there was a famine in the land. A man named Elimelech, his wife Naomi, and his two sons went on a sojourn to Moab. On the sojourn, Elimelech died and left Naomi with her two sons, Malan and Kilian. Kilian, probably. (laughs) They took wives of the women of Moab, Orpah and Ruth, and they stayed there about ten years. Naomi heard that the Lord visited his people by giving them bread. So she went out from the place that she was with her daughters-in-law and began the journey back to Judah. So what does this mean? This is kind of Ruth's background. This is her backstory. Elimelech. Elimelech was from Bethlehem. He was from Judah. Judah was experiencing a famine. And like any good dad, probably anyone that we would think about who takes care of a family starts going... Food's getting tight, guys. 
we got to do something, we got to do something. But instead of staying where the Lord's favor was, instead of staying in Judah where he was supposed to, to remain, he decides to take a sojourn. Now, one of the cool things about um, all these, you know, fancy words and things like that from the Bible is a sojourn is just a, a, an ancient way of saying a little trip, right? So he wasn't planning on staying in Moab. He just thought, uh, you know what, I'm just, I'm just, it just seems right for me to go on and, and there's food over there. So I'm just going to take, take it into my hands, take it, my family, and we're going to go over to Moab for a little trip, and then, well, you know, we'll come back later. Well, that little sojourn did not turn out well for Elimelech, did it? He died on the way. And after all, we, when we try and, and, and go and get outside of the blessing of the Lord, you know, sometimes... Okay, have you ever done this? Have you ever just thought to yourself, um, you know, the problem comes. Maybe, um, maybe a job gets a little tough. Or, you know, if I, if I just take a job over there, then I won't have these problems. Or, wow, look at that family over there. They're not having any. Their kids are really well behaved. My kids, you know what? I'm going to do what they're doing, Right? Okay, I just kind of wanted to give us a little bit of an idea of what maybe Elimelech and Naomi were kind of thinking during that time. It's really easy when we're going through a famine, whether it's a famine of spirit or a famine, a literal famine, finances, health, to take a look at the other places around us and want to go, go over there. Now, the trip never had a return ticket for Elimelech. He did die in Moab, leaving Naomi a widow with her two sons. She could have gone back. Let's talk about Naomi for a second. As soon as her husband passed away, she could have gone back to her family. She could have, but she didn't. The word says that she stayed there. And while she was there, she stayed in Moab. Her sons grew, and they married two Moabite women. Enter Ruth into the story, Orpah and Ruth. But unfortunately, the situations are, and we don't know why they died or how they died, but Malan and Killian, they also passed away. And so that leaves three women without a husband. And remember back in that culture, the, the men were the ones that owned property. The men were the ones who was a very patriarchal society. Um, the women were kind of, I mean, sorry, ladies, but were kind of property, right? That's the way they, they looked at us. And, and um, so without a man, there was really no status for a woman. And she didn't really have a lot going on for her. So it says that, that Naomi did exactly what she did at the beginning. She, she reasoned with herself, okay, well, I heard that the Lord has blessed Bethlehem with food. He's visited my hometown with food, so I'm going to just pack up and go back. So they go, and go ahead and they pack up. Now, it's important to say here that Ruth's story, yay, good. Um, Ruth's story begins with poor choices of other people, okay? Now, the story of redemption also covers the tragedy that appears in our own life because of what other people do. You guys follow me, hear what I'm saying? Sometimes other people's sin brings death into our own life. But the good news is that the Father will redeem the bad choices of other people, even for our own good. 
okay? This takes us to redemption truth number one. There's always a setup. Everyone say, there's always a setup. Okay, life happens. Sometimes we go through things because of other people's sin. Right? We've been praying, we've been praying for that job, we've been praying for that job, we've been praying for that job, but that manager just won't give us a call to give us that job, even though we nailed the interview, we got this, we got that, everything's going, we just know the Lord has spoken, this is my job, it's my job, it's my job. Well, that manager has a sister-in-law who just happens to need a job, way less qualified, but that manager hires a sister-in-law, right? How many times has that happened? Too many, right? Well, that man or that woman's sin, that manager's sin, affects me. Am I in sin? No. I'm prayed up. I'm ready to go. I'm trained. I'm equipped. I'm taking classes. I'm... Sometimes other people's sin affects us. But, remember, difficult circumstances make way for God to prove his faithful pursuit of our hearts and our lives. Do not despair. There's hope. Okay. We know that it's not God who uh, provides the sin or creates the sin or creates that, that bad circumstance or that diagnosis. God doesn't bring that to us. But we do know that he's going to use every single thing and more to be, so that we are able to receive his love through a proven relationship. Let's go back to the word. So it says, along the way to be- back to Bethlehem, so Naomi has packed up everyone, and and they're on their way. They're trekking back to Judah. Uh, We don't know how long it takes, but somewhere along the line, she starts thinking. She starts spinning. She starts, okay, if this happens, wait a minute. What am I doing? What am I doing out here? I've just lost everything. God, why are you against me? And now these girls are, I've got nothing for them. They're with me. There's nothing for them with me. And she starts going, in, well, I call it navel-gazing, when you're just like, oh, boy, we just can't believe it. You know, you kind of get sucked into yourself. We've all done it. Shake your head, yes. Now, she began spinning on her circumstances and began to lose hope. And she even starts speaking stuff like this. Why should you go with me? Should I have sons in my womb that you could marry? I'm too old to have a husband. And, and, if I should have hope, and I have a, a husband today, would you wait for my son that I would bear in nine months? Would you wait for him to be grown and then marry him? I've got nothing for you. Can you hear sarcasm? Can you hear her pain? She started stating facts instead of truth. Now, this is a good, a good thing for us to remind. Everybody say facts. Everybody say truth. Okay, sometimes facts are not truth. Okay, sometimes facts are not truth. The fact was they were on a long journey. The fact was she didn't have a husband. The fact was she was too old to have any more sons. And the fact was is that those girls were not going to wait another 25 years or 18 years or however long for those little boys to get raised up and married. Those were the facts. But the truth is, or the truth was, that God had a different plan. And God had plans to redeem them. God had plans to intervene. God had plans that they knew nothing about that he was going to accomplish through them. 
But when we, that's what, you know, lady, okay, I'm talking to the ladies. Guys, you do it too, but you know how you spin? You take a situation and then you, if I do this and that will happen, then that will happen, then that will happen, then that will happen, then that will happen. Guys don't go that far. Yeah. <laughs> but there is, there is some, right? So we can cut, spin on things and we can end up in this pit of despair when really it's just, you know, whoa, pony. Give God some time. God has a different ending in mind because we know something that Naomi did not know. We know that hope has a name. We know that peace has a name. We know that joy has a name. We know that love has a name. We know that faithfulness has a name, and that name is Jesus Christ. Insert hope. Can you feel it? We start hearing that. Joy has a name. And guess what? I know him. Peace has a name. Let it stir up in your gut. Hallelujah. I'm going to start preaching here, you guys. you got to look out. Okay. Oh, let's go back to Ruth's story. Faithfulness reveals character. So Naomi and Ruth arrive in Bethlehem. But Naomi is determined to be bitter. She says, she sees her friends, her, the ladies, and they're like, oh, is this Naomi? Oh, you're back, you're back, you're back. She's like, no, call me Mara, for I am bitter. Mara means bitter. So she's like, no, 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 call me Mara. Now, I'm making light of something, but um, there was real tragedy in Naomi's life. The pain was real. She lost her husband. I can't imagine. She lost her sons. I can't imagine. The tragedy was real, but she chose to stay there, right? She chose to sink down deep into her own thoughts, into into herself, but Ruth did not. Ruth, when Naomi, okay, well, no, I'm going to back up a little bit. I, sk- I skipped a part. Um, when Ruth and Noemi, or Naomi, I teach at Sierra Middle School, and everybody's name is Noemi. So if I say Noemi, it's because that's, I've got like 500 students with the name Noemi. I actually had to retype it in the PowerPoint because, and so if you see Noemi up there, that's why. I missed one. Um, but Naomi, um, so they were on the, on the road, and and. Naomi's like, go back, to your, go back to your home. Go back to your home. There's nothing for, for you here. And Orpah says, okay. <laughs> so she goes. But Ruth does not. Ruth persists. And she's like, no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I am following you. I, your God will be my God. Your land will be my land. I am sticking with you no matter what. And I love this part of it. It says, let me, wait, 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 let me read it. Put it back here. She says, (laughs) when Naomi saw that she was determined, she said nothing more to her. Sometimes we have to be so determined that we kind of tell that other thought, you know, can I say it? Just shut up. Right? You don't say that to people. Don't tell people to shut up. But, you know, like your own thoughts, that old thing that, that you wrestle with. Sometimes you just have to say, be quiet in the name of Jesus. I am staying where God told me to stay. Okay, going back. All right, so when they arrive in, Ju- in Judah, Naomi's has her friends call her bitter, but Ruth does not totally abandon her senses. Ruth knows what she has to do. She's now responsible to care for Naomi. It's her mom. So she asks for permission. Let me go and work. 
we've got to eat. Let me go and work. I'll, I'll go glean the field. I'll do whatever I can to make sure that we're taken care of, and maybe I'll find favor with someone. So Ruth does what she needs to do and goes to clean the, or glean the fields. And the word says that she also stays till the late hours. She arrives there early. She knows what she needs to do. She's faithful to Naomi, even in her embittered state. Now, I don't know if you've ever had someone set, set against or set in their hearts to be bitter toward you. Um, I remember back at a different church in a galaxy far, far away, um, there's a woman that was in my ministry, and I was raising her up to be a worship leader, and she, something happened, and one day she just decided that everything that I would say was, it was taken in a way that I had no intention. It was taken in a negative way. Even if I were to say, oh, wow, I really like that blouse. What a, what a pretty shade of blue. Like the next day I would be in a reconciliation meeting with her and other pastors because I had offended her in some way. Now, it's kind of funny when you're looking back at it, but when you're living with or ministering alongside someone who is determined to be bitter, who is determined that they're not moving, that they're not budging, that they're going to hold on to this grudge, it's really, really hard. So when I say that Ruth did what she had to do, this was not easy. It wasn't like she was just, oh, all right, I'm going to get up and, and go to work. She was coming home to this very bitter woman. But she knew and she was faithful. By her actions, we see that Ruth is hopeful. She says, Can, may I have permission to go and glean in the fields that perhaps I might ha- find favor with someone? We know that faithfulness and character sets us up for promotion and shows the Lord we're ready for more. Behold, your redemption is near. Ruth's faith is proven in her daily actions. Okay? I think sometimes we forget that part. That leads us to redemption truth number two. Faith is required. Now, God uses every circumstance in our lives to strengthen our faith. He's not forgotten us. He is big enough to lead us, to guide us, to speak in in a way that we can hear him and in a way that we can understand what he's saying. Right? Amen? God's big enough. He's powerful enough. But there are times that we will not be able to see the path. There are times. But here's the good news in that. No matter where we are, whether we're on that dark path or that or the path that's not, it doesn't even have to be a bad path. It could be our regular, the one that God's called us to, but I can only see the edge of the stage. I can't see any further. So I don't have to be in a sin situation. I can just be living my life for the Lord. And I don't know what's next. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm, God, speak to me. Illuminate my path. Illuminate my path. And he might say, take one little step, Right? Now, that is a blessing. Not being able to see the end is a blessing. Because the word talks about not being able to please God unless we have faith. So in those times, we can choose, even though we don't feel it, I'm not saying it's easy, but we can choose to bless the Lord. God, I'm going to choose to believe you right now. 
I'm going to choose to believe that you have good things for my life, and I'm going to step where you told me to step and no further. Because you are with me. God requires faith. We accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, our sweet King, by faith. Redemption requires faith. Amen. Let's go back to the word. So this is paraphrased. Boaz notices Ruth. Enter Boaz. Right? Boaz. He's known in the word as like kind of a... a, um, a duplicate or a foreshadow of Christ. He comes in as the great redeemer. Enter. I kind of see him on a white horse with his like, banner wit race or whatever. My, 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 my romantic side or whatever, but that's how I, I picture him. But he comes in and notices Ruth in his field. And so he goes to his manager of his fields and he goes, who's that? And she or he says, that's Ruth. That is the Ruth, the daughter-in-law of Naomi, not Noemi, <laughs> Naomi, who, she's a Moabitess, who's come. So he orders the servant to be kind to her and allow her to glean in the fields. I want us to notice something. Boaz comes in and finds Ruth being faithful, doing what she's supposed to do. She's working hard. The report of the servant was that she she's got here early, she stays late, she's only had a little tiny break. She's there. She's doing what she needs to do. And in comes someone who's going to change her life forever. I love this part. I love this part. So Ruth, after being blessed just with Boaz's generosity, she's like, Why have I have found favor? Why have I found favor with you? I'm a foreigner. I'm a nobody. I thank you, but you know what's going on here. And he replied, "All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me. May the Lord reward your work, and your wages be full from the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge." Ruth is found doing what she's supposed to do. Ruth is found being faithful. Here's the trick with faithfulness, the key. You ready? Faithfulness requires time. You're not going to be faithful in a day. I think we, wa- we want that to happen, right? <laughs> I use this example, okay? So Matt and I, d- we, we divide up the chores. And, you know, it's not necessarily like a, tr- a chore chart, which is something that he would like, but because um, <laughs> he's melancholy, you know, everything. Da, 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 da. I'm more like, ah, let's go, 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 make it a party, turn up the music. And um, so, but he really d- does not like doing dishes. Like that is his least favorite thing. But every once in a while, his wife will say, i kind of been doing the dishes a lot. <laughs> Can you mind, you know, and he won't mind me telling this. I've actually cleared it with him. But he'll do the dishes for like a day and a half. And then he won't, won't do them again. But in his mind, he's done them for like years. Every single day. I have been faithful doing these dishes forever. Right? But the reality is, has he been faithful? Not really. I wouldn't use the word faithful. 
And, you know, the, the dishes, not really. <laughs> Guys, not really. <laughs> you know, so that's one of the things, that faithfulness, it requires time. Time will always be a component of deliverance. It takes time for people's hearts to change. It takes time for our hearts to change. It takes time for our circumstances to be altered. It takes time for us to prove ourselves not worthy. That's the wrong word. It takes time for us to dig down and get our roots strong enough so that we can handle more. Does that make sense? So it's not like we're working, we're working, we're trying to prove it, trying to prove it to God and working out our... It's not that. It's that God sees that we're planted. He sees, that, he sees us as a mighty oak, right? As a mighty oak of righteousness. That's what he calls us. We'll be, like, we'll be planted like, like mighty oaks of righteousness next to streams of living water. He's got that, right? That's his picture for us. But right now, we might be this little shoot, little couple of things like Charlie Brown, you know, <laughs> like my, that might be the reality of it. And even though inside, I'm an oak tree. Yes, you are, honey. Yes, you are. <laughs> but you need time for those roots to go deep. You might even need somebody to come along and be that little guide stick, right? Come along. That's okay. It's part of the process. God knows that what we work for, we hold precious. We hold more, more precious than what we don't. That's why he allows us the blessing of faithfulness. Do you see the flip-flop of perspective here? Faith, we see it as something we kind of, okay, got to hold my faith, got to hold my faith. Okay, I've got to be faithful, got to be faithful. God sees, no, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. Okay. So Boaz begins to ask about Ruth, checking her character, investigating her reputation in the community. And when he finds her faithful, he orders her, his servants to even give her more blessing. My daughter, you come drink from the wells or from the, the, the water drawn for my servants. Please don't go anywhere else. Stay here. Stay under my protection. Brings us to truth number three. Consistency of character counts. Our walk with the Lord will lead us to places where we have to make decisions when no one else sees, when we're all alone, just me and Jesus, <laughs> you and Jesus, our true integrity is illuminated. When we do what is right over time, stand a little bit taller in the spirit, don't we? And we walk in favor that opens the doors that we haven't even seen yet. Let's go to the word. Boaz went to... Uh, okay, so we're skipping a little bit. So we're skipping forward because we didn't have time to do all of this. So what happens was is, is um, Ruth goes back and tells Naomi everything that's happened. She's like, oh, this is it. Yes. Okay, this is what you got to do. And she plan, 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 right? I'm the, I'm the only one who does that. Okay. Um, but we're, right, we plan, plan, ladies, we do that. But no, Naomi, not Noemi, Naomi goes back to her old ways, doesn't she? She goes back and she says, this is what we got to do. I know exactly what to do. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Well, it turns out that God uses even her old tendencies to bring about even more favor with Boaz. And Boaz purposes in his heart to marry Ruth, to redeem her. Okay, so that we go to the next step here. It says in 4, 1 through 10, this is paraphrased, 
Boaz went to the relative that was first in line to redeem Ruth. He took honorable men with him and was, as was customary, gave preference to the other man. When that man heard that Ruth was part of the bargain, the man refused and was unable to redeem her or the land for fear of losing his own inheritance. Boaz confirms the deal by the other witnesses, including Ruth and all that was owned by both of the sons of Naomi. I know it says Noemi. Sorry, don't look. Oh, it does? It changed even more? Oh, she did it. Oh, Carmen's amazing. I mean, yes, she is. You can get an amen, right? Uh, amen. So what does that tell us? God does what only he can. While Ruth is doing what she knows to do, Boaz shows up and does things for Ruth that she can't do for herself. Ruth cannot give herself favor with the servants. She can't do it. He does it for her. Ruth cannot say, oh, I'm just going to glean in your field. She can't do it in her own strength. Boaz alone had to make sure the, sh the servants treated her well. Boaz alone had to travel and the, to take the steps to secure Ruth's future. He had to do it. It had to come from him. It was out of Ruth's hands. Now, it's unclear how far Boaz had to go. Naomi says, he's going to do this by the end of the day. I don't know if that's figurative <laughs> or what, but it takes some time. And Ruth had to wait. It would have been totally inappropriate for Ruth to show up at that meeting. Can you imagine? Hi, guys. Yeah, no, you're talking about me. How many times do we really want to do that? We want to just, because we know the right thing to do. We got this. We got this. We got this. God does what only he can, and that takes us to redemption truth number four. God works in unseen ways. Thank you, Jesus, for the behind-the-scene favor. The behind-the-scene activity may be even more important to your story to my story than what we see. We need to remain teachable, faithful, because there's always something that we don't know. God is working for our good even now. The good news, we can use Ruth's example to give us hope for the promises God has for us. He's working out all things for our good. Now, what did it mean for Ruth to be redeemed? Well, let's take a look. All the people who were in the court and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built the house of Israel. And may you achieve wealth in Ephrathah and become famous in Bethlehem. Moreover, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah through the offspring which the Lord will give you by this young woman. I so love that God ends this book with redemptive prop, uh, prophecies. I don't know that if they knew it, but they were speaking out what was to come. The Lord honored their words. Boaz and Ruth did marry. And they had a son. His, son. his son's name was Obed. 
Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse is the father of David. Ruth's faithfulness placed her right where God could use her to bring about the Messiah. So not only was she redeemed, but through her, God redeems all of us. All of us. And you know what's extra amazing about the Lord? He didn't forget Naomi. Remember her sarcasm in the beginning? Am I gonna have a am I gonna have a husband? And even if I do, I'm not gonna have a, a son, and I'm not gonna right? Those were her words. The final verses in Ruth speak to Noemi, Noemi, Naomi <laughs> raising up Obed. She was blessed by that little baby. See, even when we mess up over and over and over, God still has our deepest desires, those secret places of our hearts and mind. And I'm going to tell you this, as surely as he intended for Ruth to be part of, of the lineage of Jesus, he purposed for Naomi to have the blessing of helping to raise that child because he loves her just as much as he loves Ruth. I added this slide. Go ahead. Kintsugi. Who's heard of a kintsugi? No? Um, in Japanese pottery, if, if you have a, a vessel that you use a lot and you break it, in this process, you will actually take the pieces that are broken and put them back together. But you use materials that are infused with gold dust. But what is so amazing about this process is that the vessel that was once common is now seen as one of a kind, is now seen as more valuable than what, what it was when it had originally started. The scars that we see in this dish now represent the faithfulness of the creator putting them back so carefully together. And I submit to you that God is a good father and that no matter where we are, whether, whether we're more on the Ruth side, we're more on the Boaz side, we're, we're Naomi saying, well, I don't know, just get away from me, you know. No matter where we are in our process or our walk with the Lord, he is faithful to take the broken pieces of our lives and put them back together and make them beautiful, amazing, stronger Vessels worthy of honor of holding his Holy Spirit. Our last truth for this morning. God is a good father. He not only redeems, he takes what we view as the worst parts of who we are or where we've been and transforms our lives into mighty testimonies of hope for those who will follow us. Ruth was a foreigner, a widow, lower than the maids in a stranger's household. She had nothing in the natural to offer anyone except godly character. 
now in the eyes of the world that might not mean a lot but on the landscape of eternity it is worth more than silver and jewels whether you are male or female your godly character transforms your circumstances it transforms your situation it transforms wherever you are your job your because you are a vessel of the holy spirit our lives we need to make choices that lead to faithfulness character and community god promises to bless our efforts and to redeem what has been broken now what have we learned today Ruth has shown us that God uses every past as a setup to create a better future. He is setting us up for something awesome. Now, faith steps are required. Everybody say required. Required and include doing what we know to do while we wait. Number three, character matters. It matters. What we do in secret and alone, it matters. Refusing to become bitter or listen to those who will deter us from all that God has is always best. Sometimes we just got to stand and do what's right. Time. Time will always be part of the process. It will always be part of the process. We have to learn patience and willingness to walk as God unfolds the next step and the next step and the next step. Because here's the thing. If my journey is that cross right there, I start out here. And I may want to like, oh, I know where I'm going. I'm going. I'm a visionary. I got that. I got this. I'm right there. But I become the woman that God needs me to be in order to handle that anointing on the way. I become who he needs. The character in me is developed on the road. If I got that right away, I probably wouldn't be able to handle it. Or maybe I would fall in some way. God loves me enough to say, no, baby, you got to stay put until you learn these lessons so that you can be a beacon when you get there and along the path. God is a good father. When he finishes his work, we are even more beautiful for the journey.